What's going on, people? Welcome back to Chatting with City Podcast. I did promise a few more episodes for the month of May. It ended up happening, but we're here, all right? It is what it is. And today I'm here with uh, another guest, a uh, special person. I think of him as a big brother. Um, I'm the oldest, and that's kind of, uh, it's a, I guess it's a funny thing. When you're the oldest, how you feel like you always wanted a big brother, but you're the big brother. It's a, anyway, it's strange. But yeah, man, he's a... Uh, He's like a big bro to me. Uh, welcome, the one and only man, like Timbo. Tim, what's happening? <laughs> man, thank you so much for having me here, man. Boaz, brother, man, I'm proud of you, bro. I just want to say, I just want to say, like, uh, the way you develop from high school, you're one of the most genuine dudes I know. Um, and I always trust your heart and your intentions and your intelligence, G. On top of that, man, the way you do this podcast, when you first told me about it and I heard the first episode, I was like, dang, B, yo, your voice is soothing as hell. Your voice is soothing as hell. So you, you know you got to keep doing this. You got to keep doing this. So yeah, I just wanted to say that. I wanted to give the flowers while you can still smell them, as Kanye likes to say. Um, Thank you, bro. I appreciate that. appreciate that. But if you keep going, I'm going to have to stop this meeting. All right? We can't, uh, you know, it's not about me. This is about you. This episode is about you. All right, let's go. Oh, first of all, happy belated birthday. This man is out here. Uh, when was it? I'm a man, man. Uh, <laughs> 27. 27 is kind of like, you know, it's a bit of an in-between age. Um, you know, you're not a kid anymore. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not a, you know, I'm not middle-aged yet. That's so true. It's interesting. It's funny. I had, a, I had a friend ask me. Um, she was like, I just turned 24 last Right, yeah, last year um and she was asking yeah, like, when's your birthday by the way my, my birthday is in june so it's well when this episode up. comes out it's this month june 6th beautiful yeah um and so she was asking me like do you feel 24 and i was like what does 24 feel like <laughs> like i, I <laughs> feel like you know I was, I was thinking the same thing like um how different does it feel from 22 probably feels a little bit different from from 18 from 17 yeah, for sure. yeah yeah that's true definitely different from 18 and maybe different from 20 but like I, I always feel like whatever age you are you can't really think about what it was like to be let's say two years younger or three years younger it's got to be like a, at least five years right for the change right um, ideally you want to see some change too yeah you do want to see some change but when she asked me I was like I really don't know what 24 feels like I I, I know I'm 24 but I don't feel like I'm 24 Right. I also feel like it's it's different for guys because like you know there isn't really like a time on us right like you can be right. whatever you can be a little man until you're 40 you know right. you don't have to be a man man until you're whatever I right mean, we yeah. just we have time so that's a privilege that we have, have so I was just like, it is a privilege i mean your hairline is looking straight and compact so you know it's in a better situation than mine i won't even front i won't even front so that's the that's the aspect that mandom has to deal with isn't it but so you do for 27 just because of the hairline. Bro, I don't, I don't know if it's like stress that I've been through <laughs> over the last couple of years or something, but I'm like, oh yeah, no shit. This shit is falling. <laughs> this hair is falling different. It's like it's like waking up different. Um, you know, um, you know, at least it's not it's not grazy or anything. And you know, even as I joke about that, I know one of my um, you know, a friend from high school, he had a head full of grays at 23 24 already so i'm like oh bro if he was worried about all this stuff like you know i don't know how you'd live so some of this like cosmetic stuff 
it's like yeah you gotta just you gotta just let it go you know when the hairline is looking like unless i got that lebron money when the hairline is looking like it's time to go i'm gonna let it go i've said it here on tape i've said it on camera so i respect that me resisting just just give me a tap on the shoulder bro <laughs> just give me a call just let me know i remember yeah with your friend I mean, if, if you got grades at 23, that means by 40, you will have a full head of gray, which can actually look really cool. So that's, that's like, yeah, yeah, if you have right? a full head of gray, it's like... You look like a silver fox. Yeah, bro. That's the look, you know? I wonder what that's... other conditions you got to have, you know, aside from the gray hair. Like, if there's other, you know, you know like, you probably want to, you know, have a vehicle, <laughs> you, want, you know, to say the least. Um, I don't know if you want to be, like, a silver fox, like picking up biddies on the bus i don't even know that you want to be picking up biddies you know um in your 40s too that's something that i think about too like and i think uh you probably um well everyone everyone's like uh you know desires are different but you know even for someone that's like yo i'm cool being alone i'm cool being single i think there's definitely something to having attachment having people that care about you having people that you know that like oh yeah they don't you know we ain't got to be around each other, but we're choosing to like put up with the annoying, you know, be there for the good, the great, the laughs, you know, people to actually genuinely sacrifice for you. So anyways, before I run out on that topic, I'll just pull it back in and let you do your thing as a, as an interviewer. But well, yeah, those are definitely, uh, all I was saying was, you know, happy belated birthday, man. You're 27. Uh, you know, the case yeah, you, you do right. feel 27 because of the hairline, the hairline's leaving oh, you. Man. Yeah. But yo, it's all good, man. Like it's, it's been like that since a kid, you know. For the record, I have pictures of me as a kid, so you know it's not like anything's changing. But I'll stop being, uh, I'll chill out on the defensiveness on that. I'm ready, yo. I have a deal with God. Like yo, this let let the beard keep growing, keep being mm -hmm. pristine, and then it rounds out. As long as I don't look like a soccer ball, you know, like a football, like just like a a brown ball, smoothness egg. all around. What's that? What's that kid? Uh, Little John. Wait, no. What, what's that? That big? Oh, um, Caillou. Ben. You talk about Caillou, bro. Caillou, but there was a black version. The black version of like this little kid. Little, I have no idea. I don't know. Um, it's gonna come to me at some point. <laughs> but yeah, you can. You can, you can go ahead All right. So I wanted to bring you on this to um, ask you some things. <clears throat> One of the things I wanted to ask you was um, recently you told me that I mean I didn't know this, but you told me that you've been living with chronic pain for a little while yes. and you know at least when i think of you and one of the things that sort of sticks out to me is you're, you know always being physically active you're you know a multi-sport athlete doing all, all kinds of you know just playing almost every sport out there and right. i was kind of wondering how did that affect you first of all just how did that affect you your day-to-day -day life that's one right. and how did that affect you on a level of like let's say identity being like thinking of yourself as an athlete as an active person Right. And then from that, how did that affect your mental well-being? So I guess my question has like three parts to it. So for context, you know, to say that sports is my life um, is probably an understatement. Like that kind of statement is probably an understatement because mm. from the time I've been the youngest I can remember, I was born in Nigeria. Um, I was born in a city called Potoka in Nigeria. Um, moved to England when I was like six or seven years old. Um, and, you know, from then, I was like, you could tell I was fast, you know what I mean? For, you know, this little, you know, African kid, I think that has something to do with it, like the upbringing. Like I wasn't, you know, inside playing PS anything. It was probably like PS2 that was out at that point. 
like playing all my stuff outside, competing with older kids. So that's how I grew up. Going to England, first started playing rugby, soccer. Uh, you know, uh, let me actually just for the record say when I'm talking about um, soccer, I'm going to call it football because that's what was natural to me. <laughs> Anyways, all right. but football, track, rugby, field hockey, um, all sorts of sports that, that you can imagine, golf, table tennis, you know, so movement, the dynamics of transferring energy, you know, uh, the poetry, the art of it is stuff that I love. Like it's, it's actually, um, it's stuff that, you know, really, I feel like at this point, uh, I can't live without. <laughs> so to answer your question of how on the day to day it's affected me, um, you know, that means that like this huge chunk of my life that brings me happiness, I've had to been away from it. I've physically pushed myself as far as I could go to my body was breaking down consistently and I had to take in that. Okay, yeah, this is more than just injuries. So it, it has that, that big effect of um, things that you can take for granted, you know, walking out the bed, walking up the stairs, um, this and that, those things cause a lot of pain. Um, and thankfully in the last couple of weeks, like my condition has improved by like 40, 50% from the treatment that I've been doing uh, with acupuncture. So that's, that's fantastic. But, you know, if you picture before three weeks ago to this time, common things like getting out the bed, hopping in the car, I've been groaning like an old man sort of thing, you know? Um, and, and the pain um, comes in the, the effect that it actually feels is a grinding of the hip, um, constricted breathing. So re it's really hard to take deep breaths that are smooth and to have them go on a cycle. It sort of feels like uh, I have to force it at some point. So those are things that are on top of my mind every day, um, you know, and uh, clearly it occupies some space that would be freed up to do other things um, if I wasn't going through it. Um, so that's how it affects me on a day-to-day. -day. Um, I should jump and I should jump back and say that, um, you know, up to me, I would never have left sports. I would never have left um, competition that, um, you know, track and field or even soccer to begin with. Um, but I want to talk about how it affected me as an athlete back then, because um, I think, being injured and not understanding my body or not having a system that was working for me. That's one thing a coach told me one time is that if you're constantly breaking down or if things aren't working for you, you feel like you're trying, you're giving an effort and things aren't working for you. You might be in the wrong system. Like this mm -hmm. system isn't actually helping you achieve your, your goals. It's not facilitating it. Um, maybe you're overtraining, maybe you're doing things without having um, like a specific intention of how you're supposed to be doing it. Um, so those issues of uh, being injured all the time used to cause me a lot of shame. <laughs> like to, you know, when I'm thinking about this now, you know, like uh, digging through it now and thinking, oh, I had the attitude that like, hey, I just wanna heal up and get better and perform for my coaches I want to perform for my team I want to show everybody what I can do and show you that 
hey, it's worth putting a bet on me. You know, I was actually in, I was in my situation with the track team where I felt like, oh, from day one, I was injured. Um, and I was probably using like 60% of my capacity to compete at 100% against other people's 100% full capacity or 90% capacity. And we're sort of, you know, because we're sort of in and around the same ballpark, it's looking like everything's fine. And I'm, I'm feeling like, hey, you just got to keep pushing. Don't complain. I think that was a big thing I felt is like, yo, people don't want to hear your complaints. They want to get results. They want to see you get results. Mm. So that's something that I, I reflect back on um, being an athlete um, and things I would change is to actually just remove the judgment for myself of feeling whack that, damn, I got injured again and actually try to understand why. Like, why is this happening? You know, that's advice I'd give to young athletes right now is that, like you have to take control of your own training of your own body you have to get that knowledge for yourself get the actual application of how you're supposed to do these things so that you become a better athlete and protect yourself right yeah right so you know how it affected my identity man i left the i left the team i i've been playing soccer i decided to switch over to track to um, you know, see if it would give me a better chance to compete at a high level. Soccer is my, football is, you know, that's my main passion. Um, but I felt like, hey, if I'm not competing um, at a young age, at a high level, let me switch over to track, which uh, I was fortunate enough to be around some of the best athletes in Canada at that point. My boy from, uh, our boys from high school, we had a little group that, you know, rapidly improved my performances. Um, so losing the ability to compete completely decimated my identity. Like looking back at it now, like that seems like such a strong word, but you know, if you mm. picture it from the time you're a kid, you've been around teams, that's uh, the main place you make friends. Um, you know, you go to war with people. It feels like that. You actually develop a bond. Like, bro, that's where we met. That's, you know, that's where we get, that, that's where we got closer. Um, it's like, oh, you're fighting wait, wait, wait. another just side. To, just to interrupt a little bit. Yes, that's what we met. But also, like, we met because I got cut. Don't forget that, all right? First time I tried I got cut. Yeah, I tried out. What grade was that? I tried out in grade nine. And uh, I do remember I tried out with Justin. Shout out Justin Dragon. Yeah, yeah, for the CB team. So I tried out in, yeah, yeah. in grade nine with Justin. Justin made it. And then I remember David Hall, he, he bumped me to the side. I was like, oh, hey, boss, boss, come here, come here. <laughs> so he bring me to the side and he's like, look, look, um, you played well. We appreciate, you know, you coming out and trying out, but we just can't take you. You know, I'm sorry. Like you're, the team was stacked already. Like we just can't right. take you. I'm like, oh, I was crushed, but I was like, hey, it is what it is. That was so great night, right? You, you, you were great night trying out for the senior team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. ambitious. <laughs> yeah, like, like, like that's, that's ambitious. To tell you the truth, I think, I think you were, I think you were good enough. I think, um, Probably, um, we had players in the, you know, if you remember, Abe Donzo was playing midfield in that position and no one is touching Abe yeah. Donzo. Yeah. Yeah. skills. So. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I'm, I'm sorry to kind of break in, but I had to, I had to tell everybody, oh, I got man. cut. I tried out, I got cut. I wasn't crying, <laughs> but that's how we yeah. <laughs> Yo, the feelings are real. The feelings are real. You know, I still think about losing to St. Pius in the Ottawa City Finals, um, the, the game that was going to send us to Offsa. Well, we did go to offset, but 
losing to St. Pius, you, you know how like I have flashbacks about that <laughs> still. I'm 27 years old and I still think about, you know, I still think about the captain on the other side, like, oh man, you know what though? Um, shout out our team because the next year we came back and whooped St. Pius and I had the greatest game of my life. Like when people talk about a flow state, like mm. uh, I felt like there was nothing I could do wrong. Like the ball was being attracted to me and I was dancing. I was like gliding through, man, I can't even describe it. But you know, the way we're talking about this now, and sorry, my dog is trying to um, break, through my, <laughs> break through my room. But the way we're talking about this now, the love for sport, that thing is ingrained. It's not, mm. there's no way you can fake it. You know, uh, the thing that wakes you up, that gets you lit, you know, gets that fire going inside you, that's what this is for me. So leaving the team, you know, I left the team with no support, with no guidance of uh, injuries. I actually, um, shit, like not to, you know, to air this, air, air this out right now, but like, you know, I actually, I got injured on the track. This was the last injury I got at my um, U of T track and field career. Um, and actually I had been pushing to try to make up for lost time from an injury. Coach and I discussed, hey, just give it your all. Um, let's try and compress months of training in into a few weeks before nationals. So tried doing that, got injured on the track. And I was just so devastated, man. I just, I went home, left the track, texted my coach, that, hey, this is what's going on. I got injured again. I'm going to shut down my season. And boom, never heard back from the coach ever again. Never heard back from any, anyone on the team. So that's how I left the team. So, you know, you can picture like um, I'm in my third year, like sports has been my life being around, you know, the camaraderie um, has been everything down to the structure of your life. You have classes, you have workouts, you have food, you have recovery. All those things are structured for you. Now take all that structure away, <laughs> still be a athlete, you know, is, you know, in great shape, you know, like physically looking, um, you know, have a bunch of distractions and have like for the first time in your life, <laughs> like no structure and no skill of just no muscle of, of, of discipline in another way. Cause I had an extreme muscle of discipline when it came to training and doing things, pushing myself beyond pain and being there uh, organized to perform well in training. But outside of that, to apply that discipline to other things, oh, those are things that you actually have to work on. It doesn't just naturally come. So that was, that was, uh, that was tough for me. Um, at the time, I remember I actually started channeling all that you know, energy and space and time into working on some projects. So I had a crowdfunding project for track and field athletes who were trying to get to the Rio Olympics. Um, and that was such a great experience. Um, it, it felt like a sport again. So I wasn't able to compete, um, but this was something I was able to compete in um, and give my best in. So that, that, um, that compensated for the loss of identity or loss of role in the sports world. Um, in that way I think there was a third part to your question I know this has been a long answer but the third part to your question to my question actually you've already answered how it sort of affected your mental health in the sense that like you felt um something right. I want to go back to something you actually mentioned <clears throat> how you you were competing 
at your uh, like 60% against everybody's 90 and 100%. And yeah. like, we're talking I'm about assuming. track here. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, you're assuming, but it's like, yeah, 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 generally speaking, most of them are, you know, they're, yeah. In the pretty, you know, like I, I can say now that like, oh yeah, the conditions I have, um, like, yeah, I, I know you, you weren't dealing with, uh, I, I know you weren't dealing with this sort of thing. Um, at the same time, um, everyone has their own things. I, I think this comes back to my thing of like, oh yeah, you got to recognize your own and you can't treat yourself the same as other people. Yeah. So maybe that's something you were going towards right yeah, now. So, right? Yeah. So what I was trying to, what I was trying to say was that this is a track and field. Everybody's one within like a millisecond of each other, yeah. right? Are these big the sprinters, right? The thing that you were doing. Yeah. So it's like, if you're not competing at not even close to your best, like bro, yeah. you are. The, the off day is doo-doo. There's no, you know, there's no like, uh, it's a huge difference to be pristine and primed to perform like a well-oiled machine that everything functions and fires with precision and power than to be like, okay, yeah, um, some of this stuff is functioning and firing, but some of this stuff feels like dead wood or feels like heavy weight. Yeah, you're not gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna lose every time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The third part of my question was how it affected your mental health, and like I said, you kind of already answered part of that. How you right. said your words were it decimated your identity, right? Which is kind of like it was part of the second question, <laughs> but it also like it answered that question too. But it's interesting to see how you said that you kind of, with all that structure taken away, you were able to get a project started and actually help other athletes, you know, go to Rio, right? Like you yeah. were saying. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fulfillment. Um. I think uh, it's something that I still have right now that still drives me is this feeling of, well, I love, I love to improve. All right. I love to look at myself objectively and be like, yo, what areas, like if I'm like a video game character, like what's my attribute on mm -hmm. this, this, and this? It's like, okay, yeah, this is here. Okay. How do you get it to here? You know, like if you're on FIFA or, you know, 2K, you can go in the gym and be working on shots and like you're slowly building up those attributes that's how i look at everything to do with myself and with life um so um that passion extends to other people too i want to uh see i see somebody i see you know somebody trying to do their thing and i'm like oh yo i respect it i respect it so much and i want to see how do you get better that's that constant question that's that's on my mind Great question to have on your mind through life. How do you get better? How do you um, get better? You yeah. know, without making it um, something that is unattainable. That's another aspect of this that, you know, there's got to be some balance. And maybe people, you know, maybe people like us, you know, athletes or um, people who are driven in one way or another, or just, you know, figuring crazy in this like obsessive kind of way. Mm. Maybe that, you know, some of that extremity of yo i need to get better <laughs> i need to get better at this and that like that can be taken too far yeah. um so you know one thing that has kind of changed in my mind is to refine that thought to not just see myself as like oh yeah oh yeah your whole existence is shit <laughs> you gotta you gotta approve that whole you gotta tighten up that whole thing like you know some of that may be you know it may have its value but that on its own doesn't tell you what to do. Um, and, you know, that thing can just get into games of feeling, um, 
feeling bad, you know, um, the, the actual right thing to do is to break it down like, okay, what part am I trying to address? Like, let me break these things down into sections. Okay, um, how patient am I? Okay, yeah, okay, I could be a little bit more patient because I know I'm snapping at this and that. So I could do that better. Okay, how would I do that better? Okay, well, I'm getting information from these books, these audio books that I'm reading. I'm putting that constantly in my mind. And I'm using opportunities out in the world to practice that, to take the opportunity to actually develop that, that that sort of thing that has been so much more useful than just feeling like oh yo you got to get better you're not good enough you know I used to think that voice was like oh yeah man that's just the voice that pushes me but it's like nah that voice can push you but it can also be holding you back because you'll never actually try and go beyond your comfort level because you kind of can have a self-limiting belief that like you're just you know, from the origin, just not good enough. It's like, oh, oh, actually, you got to start off with the, oh, you're good, you're le you're legitimate, like you're well made, like you're well put together, like, um, like you have things that you have innate value. For me, that comes from like you know a deep identity uh, that's like oh connected to my creator. Um, that's like a, you know, like there's value in there. Like I'm a reflection of God. Like having that being in my mind is something that like, okay, yeah, I can hold on to that value. Now, that being said, A, B, C, and D are attributes I would like to improve. All right, uh, I'm gonna ask you another question. Um, right. So having chronic pain, what's, how, how have you approached your treatment? Like you said, uh, the last few weeks have been really good, you've improved uh, right. significantly. So how have you approached your treatment? Which kind of gets back to something you said earlier that, people have to take essentially their body into their own hands, right? Training is different for everyone. It doesn't right. look the same for everybody. So what is what, what does therapy look like for you? 100%. So therapy in my current state right now looks like uh, since the beginning of this year, February, I've been seeing a physio that I trust because that's actually a big part of it. A physio that I trust and understand and he understands me. Um, I've been seeing that guy twice a week. Um, so that is for the physical manipulation of the body. Um, and number two, the education that I get, like having someone there to ask these questions, like, okay, this is what I'm feeling. When I go like this, I'm feeling like this. Do you think that's connected to so, so, and so? And he takes it and he'll show me a map of my body. He show me the mechanics of this thing. And already I'm becoming like a biomechanical machine, like in my understanding of how to transfer energy um, Bruce Lee type shit for real. Like Marshall, you know, one day you're gonna see me doing, you know, backflips, you know, like kicking, <laughs> kicking flies in the head, like at like you know a uh, six foot three height or whatever. But that's you know, funny. That's that's for the future. Like the, the the point is that actually having someone there who has studied this stuff, it's like a cheat code. Um, mm. That's been amazing. Um, seen that guy twice a week. Then I recently, um, you know, actually seeing the physio in in the shop is one thing. And you got to come home and actually do your physio. So what mine looks like right now is that I've been developing systematic ways of making sure that I do it every day and that I don't forget. So some of that is the basic stuff of being prepared, having um, the tools I need out for me. 
one big thing that has changed my success rate on it, on my, you know, compliance, I'm keeping up with it, is that I now have my rehab sheet that has all my exercises that I've decided to keep, and I code them by date. So the first day of the week um, is number one. And then under the exercises, I put the day of the week, and I put the amount of reps I went into. So I have like 20 copies of this sheet that I use week to week. So over time, and I haven't done it yet. I haven't gone back and looked at like, oh yeah, um, you know, when I was putting in more effort on these areas or those areas. But um, the idea is that I'm tracking and it's making me a lot more conscious. It's yeah. like ingraining the habit. Um, and it also gives me the chance to be able to look back and see like, okay, I'm feeling like this is working. What was I doing? I'm feeling like I've been doing this and it's not working at all. I can look at my sheet and be like, all right, you know, let me touch base with my guy. Like, what do you think is going on here? And he can instantly look and be like, yo, bro, you're not doing enough. Like you're doing like two sets, you're doing like two sets of maybe seven. You know, you're mm -hmm. thinking like, you know, some shit's going to happen. So uh, having that information there is key. Um, finally, I just started adding acupuncture, which is the thing that has rapidly improved my treatment. Um, you know, I have a old Asian lady that works on my body and she is amazing, bruv. Um, like I call her Mrs. Miyagi because she'd be telling me about the energy. She'll be like, yeah, um, open up your mouth. Let me see your tongue. And I'm like, yo, what does this, I'm like, what, what does this have to do with? She's like, yeah, I'm seeing the energy. I'm like, you know what? Hey, I'm, I'm open to I'm open to discovering things. Um, and also I think I feel like there are some things that, um, you know, science can explain and some things that science can't explain yet, which, you know, which is the point of science is that we keep on discovering ways to explain phenomenons that are already there. Yeah, so um, I'm not too snobby to, um, to humble myself, to listen to a different perspective and try, and try everything. Like you said, now, I probably just mentioned this before I, I say that thing, but, you know, it's been a long process. If I think about the tools I have in my house right now, I have a soul right, I have an exercise ball, I have bands, I have skipping ropes, I have a massage gun, I have a massage blade, I have uh, a Dr. Ho's foot pad, I have Dr. Ho's, you know, body patches, bruv, the list is endless. So I had to go through all those things and like accumulate all those things to get to this point where I am now and be like, oh yeah, go do an acupuncture session and your body will improve by 50%. And, you know, it's like, okay, yeah. You probably couldn't have skipped those steps because what I know now, like has ingrained a different reality, uh, a different understanding into, into me. So um, yeah, I did say that I was gonna um, say something, but ADHD brain is forgot, but that, that point is good enough. Something did come back though. The little bald-headed black cartoon guy I was talking about is little Bill. Right, just for the record. Just for the hey, everybody, little Bill, little Bill. That's the name. Lil Not Bill. Caillou, little Bill. Not Caillou. It's a black <laughs> Caillou. Right. Yeah, and yo, something that's it, like something that's interesting to me about you know basically your uh, your process of therapy and going through all that is that adherence for chronic conditions, at least from what I've read, um, it's tough because. In, in your case, chronic pain is that you feel pain just doing anything. Like you said, you wake right. up in the morning and it's painful. And right. so being physically, like you don't want to be physically active because you're going to obviously make the pain worse, right? right. But then yeah. by you not, by so you not you engaging, 
I do want to be physically active, but I don't want, you know, don't want to, you don't want the pain, but I desperately want to be. Desperately. That's the thing. It's like, it's like you have pain, you want to be active, but you know that if you're active, there'll be more pain. But then what happens is that if you avoid being active and doing your exercise and going to see your your therapist, then there's even more pain. It's a cycle and then you feel worse and it just keeps going. It's a, it's a catch 22. Um, you know, but I'll always be on the side of, um, doing what I can do, um, physically, um, and taking the pain that, you know, like, I just, I just love the stuff too much. And I also feel like 27, like, you know, as an athlete, like I'm in my prime. So like, I can't be looking at, you know, athletes on TV thinking like, oh yeah, um, that dude, you know, he's getting, he's getting old at 32. It's like, nigga, 32 is five years away from you. Like, bruv, I still want to be able to push myself, run fast, you know, jump, do all these amazing things before I get to, you know, those older ages where aging catches up. And I think the better shape you're in right now, the more you have to lose from as you age. So that decline is is going to be less, mm. less as we take it more seriously right now. Exactly. Physical oh, activity yeah. through the lifespan. You know, this thing that you just mentioned um, is, is a huge, huge part of the experience is that motivation to do the work is actually, man, I can't even, I can't even lie. Like, I like to be an optimistic person. I like to be a... Um, you know what I mean? If um if I was at my full, you know, cliche coiny coiny mode, like I'd probably be listening to all these like motivational and self-help people. Um, mm-hmm. um, and not even probably, I definitely have. <laughs> like I've definitely fed myself all that through my ears um and try to make it happen. And you know, it's a big like blow to the ego, a big confusing thing to feel like, man, I know that I'm a hustler, I know that I can hustle, but why do I feel like not doing anything right now. Like, why do I feel like it's so hard to keep adherence on this? And I started taking in that, oh, the amount of pain was like blitzing my body where you know that for the first 10, 15 minutes, that's just gonna hurt like hell. And then afterwards, you know, you feel better. Um, the way my condition is, like from walking and doing the basic things of life, my body starts to like accumulate those wear and tears and, and tightness mm-hmm. it starts going back to its original state so then i have to repeat that uh the next day except what i'm trying to do is slowly open up and progress make marginal improvements every day until the point where the cycle is less drastic um so that motivation piece is a huge thing and um it's, it, you know it's kind of come to me like oh bruv bruv don't you know, don't drink the Kool-Aid of, you know, people being like, oh, yo, how bad do you want it? You know, you just don't want it enough. When you want it, <laughs> when you want it bad enough, you'll, no, you can want it. Like when people talk about like, oh yeah, um, these guys are playing in the game and the other team just wanted it more. I, I, man, I don't know, man. I think that's, I think that's a sort of minuscule way to look at it. I think what it actually falls down on is who had the better systems? They both wanted it, but who was ingrained in better training habits and better systems that meant that the decline as both teams got tired, mm-hmm. one team was still sharper, you know, still instinctively moving the ball to their yeah. destination where the other team was more 
um, you know, fatigue, like you both, you both want it, but how has your preparation been? How has your training been? So that is something that I now heavily focus on is like, oh, okay, I won't lie to myself. And I actually, I know that I won't lie to myself. Like I will boil down to, you know, Tim, you're being a bum right now. Like you're being lazy. I know I can talk to myself honestly like that. It might take time, but 100%, I will always get there. So when I've, you know, adjusted for the fact that like, oh yeah, you know, I know I like to be lazy sometimes, but this is not it. This is not me being lazy. This is like, oh, there's an issue here. Then I actually, it's like, okay, Tim, yeah, get smarter about this. Actually solve the issue and level up your capacity. So instead of, you know, we're talking about 60% and I'm like, oh, these, you know, my, my body is topped out at 60% and I'm pushing for 100% performance. And I'm like, mm-hmm. man, why isn't this happening? Like, I'm, I'm such a bad athlete. <laughs> like, oh, I'm a good athlete. I know I'm better than this, man. And, uh, you know, you just get like tough and stubborn. It's like, no, I don't get tough and stubborn. Actually ask your question when you're like, yo, why is this happening? Don't ask it out of frustration. Actually ask the question, why is this happening? And go get those answers and it will progress. Yeah, it will progress. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and something, you know, just to sort of cap this little section, something about what you just mentioned about, you know, being able to push yourself and like people saying that you just don't want it enough is that the interesting thing about that, like you said, it's just different systems. Maybe the teams had different systems, but then the important thing about even the system and how you teach pleasure athletes is that yeah. you have to teach them to know when to push themselves. When to push right? You know, you want to you want them to know when to push themselves for like the last few minutes or whatever. You don't want to be pushing yourself at sixty percent. That that doesn't make sense. You're gonna you're gonna implode. Right. But but you know, if it's the last last three minutes of the game and it's like this is the last game of the season, it's like you can you can go a little harder because you know that there's so much rest on the other side of that, right? You know, and I, I think a lot of people will naturally naturally do that. If you're at the level where you're competing, and there's something at stake, um, you know, those last few minutes and you have a shot. You don't need to tell anybody like, yo, we have a shot. The elite ones, you know, can can do it better probably. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, teaching people, that's something that um, coaches can get across to athletes a lot better in my opinion. Um, or athletes and I should say, the athletes can also pick this up from coaches or pick this up from whatever sources they have available um, is to, to know yourself, yeah, to take, to take responsibility, um, to take responsibility for your thing and those um, mechanics and those systems so that you know the feeling of how it's supposed to feel like, like, okay, this is good pain or this is bad pain. There's no way anybody describing to you that, yeah, it should be like this or it should be like that. It, that is limited in what it can do. You know, words can only go so far. Some of it, you know, the really successful relationships between coaches and athletes is that the coach is able to pass along the message and the words that the athlete can understand. And the athlete is able to latch onto that, ingrain it into themselves and feel the feeling that the coach is trying to get them to feel. Yes, um, yeah. yeah, so you, you pass that, you pass that thing along. So, Yes, sir. All right. This is the last question I wanted to ask you. So... <clears throat> I think it was, I want to say it was late last year. No, maybe this year, early this year. I can't remember. But so there's a show called The Expanse, right? It's one of my favorite TV shows, right? Sci-fi. If you haven't heard of it, man, go check it out. It's on Amazon Prime. Um, and uh, so I'm watching this TV show, right? I'm just like, oh, whatever. I'm just kind of like, you know, half watching it, whatever. 
And then keep in mind, I haven't seen Tim in like five years at this point. <laughs> I'm watching the show. I'm like, wait, is that? <laughs> I had to rewind it and replay it. I was like, oh, yo, that's Tim. And so I took a screenshot of it. I said, yo, yo, be, yo bro, is that you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what I want to ask you is like, tell me how it happened. How how did you get into the show? Like, because actually yeah. the, the, the photo that I'm going to add to this is you... Right. Sit, you're standing at the bar right next to one of the lead characters, um, Naomi Nagata. Yeah. And I'm like, yo, how did that happen? And then on top of that, so that was season five. I went back, I was re-watching the show, and I think season one and season two also like spotted you in a few scenes. <laughs> you went back and rewatched, yeah, because I was oh yeah, I was definitely on season one and and some of those. Those were those were early, early times for the for the show. I think yeah. um yeah, um that was it was actually so funny um, getting that text from you because I, I never see these things. So I've been on a couple, I've been on some other shows, you know, light roles. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I don't even know if you if you really call them roles. Like um, I'm kind of like a, a hybrid. Like I'm sort of in the industry and I'm sort of like doing my own thing um, with family business and all. Um, but yeah, it's always a dope feeling. I can't even lie. It's always a dope feeling getting a message like, yo, is this you? And I already know the answer is, yep. <laughs> like, yep, that's that's me. Um, so I, I won't have myself up, you know, uh, too much because uh, it, it's really not that big of a, it's really not a big deal. Like it wasn't, um, wasn't crazy hard to do. And I'll really just say like, there's people that actually do this, you know, like there's people that are committed to the life of, being an actor or being on screen. Um, for me, I just kind of stumbled into it. Um, it's not my sport. Yeah, it's not my sport. Uh, I can do it and I love film. Um, and I considered it while I was uh, in Toronto. So I, I remember the first time I really got into it. Um, but I think maybe I came across uh, some friends who were doing um, extra work so that's really what a majority of this um, this stuff is it's like being an extra you know mm. like your body on, on camera um, and then where you get really hype is if you get something that gives you more camera time like you get paid more for that nice. so um, I started doing a couple shows how it works for anybody that's interested is you just get an agent you know go on google just google agencies that are out there now with this, it helps to have friends who are doing this kind of stuff because they'll tell you who to avoid. They'll tell you who is just trying to take your money, um, you know, and promise you stuff. And there's different levels of doing this, right? Some people are committed. Like I said, you go into auditions, um, are chasing down uh, roles that would get them what we call full actra. So actra is the association for mm -hmm. um, actors and um uh, actresses and and film from people I, I think there's there's another union for the people who do the camera work and all those kind of things but um certain roles will get you eligible to be invited into the union or to be accepted into the union and once you're in the union your pay rate goes crazy your pay rate goes crazy so i i'm, I'm not in the union unfortunately i wasn't i wasn't making bank bank like that but for the show that you did see in The Expanse, the one that you saw me on, oh, that was good money. I can't even lie because they had us out here, um, this thing called SSE, which is special skills. So uh, these could be things like if you're doing um, combat, um, you know, stunts, um, if you're uh, doing nudity, uh, funny, funnily enough, 
you know, or if you're doing something like letting them cut your hair. So I let them cut into my hair, uh, give me these lines and all that. I'm like, bro, for the, for this check, just don't touch my hairline. Everything else is fair game. Don't touch my hairline. I was like, yo, my hairline's not even there, bro. Don't touch it. Just, just, you know, keep your, your clippers far, far away. <laughs> and, uh, and they did. It was a great, great experience. I've met some, some of, um, some really close friends, people that, um, that I love and are doing, um, doing big things that I, I have, uh, um, I have big hopes for uh, for these people um, from that from that industry. Yeah, it's it's an interesting life because it's um, what would you call gig work, right? Yeah, Guess, you know, even being um, you know a full time actor, it's all up to you. It's like you know what gigs you push for, what gigs you actually get. So down on the level that I was at, um, you know, I guess I still could be at. Um, um, like doing commercials and stuff. Like you got to book, you got to book that. No one's, you know, um, really coming to you like, hey, you didn't work that much this this month, so we're gonna take care of you. It's like, nah, it's a jungle. It's a jungle, B. Yeah, you gotta hook that for yourself. Like, but yo, everybody, like Tim's being humble. Like this show is, um, at least at this point, I think it's 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 it has it like has a cult following at this point. Like it's so good. I, you know, how did you start I, watching it? Listen, listen, no, just listen, listen. So I love shows and film or whatever. And like, I'm very kind of, you know, I get very, when I'm rating TV shows, I'm not very generous. And I actually think this is a nine out of 10, like not that. joking. So That's if you haven't awesome. seen it, go check it out. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime, like I said. And how I started watching it was, I think when it first came out, um, it might've first season was maybe 2016. I can't remember. Cause it's only five seasons in uh, and the latest right. season just dropped 2021 early this year. Right. Um, yeah, it was on that first season. The first season was on a different network. I can't remember which network, but it wasn't on Prime. Then. Maybe like Space. Maybe like Space. Something network. like that. Yeah, yeah. One of those like sci-fi networks. So it was one, yeah. one of those. And I can't remember how I found out about it, but I started watching it. I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. Because the very the premise of the show, I don't want to say anything, but the premise of the show is really interesting. Um, and one of the things that I love about the show is essentially one of the dialects they have um, for a group of the people on the show. And so I just started watching it. And then, like I said, I didn't realize you were on the show until season five. But then when I went back, I saw you on like season two. <laughs> and season three. I was like, that's Tim. That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's great. I would love to, um, I, I did a TSN commercial that um, when it aired, I think it aired during the NBA playoffs, um, uh, LeBron versus, when was that? I think that was probably like 2015, 2016 or something. Um, but yeah, when like people started seeing me, I'll just start getting, messages blown on my phone pictures and, and all that and i had never seen it <laughs> i had never seen it actually so I, um actually seeing it live on tv uh it's a dope feeling i can't even lie something something about being part of creating something and seeing yourself on this platform that you take as such a huge thing you know like um you you like i've grown up admiring movies um, those are two big things that, that I love sports and movies, film, that kind of stuff, um, telling those stories. So actually getting a chance to like see yourself in the same, let me, let me, okay. You were saying I'm being, I'm being, I'm being humble. Let me just, let me just like do a stretch right now to see Idris Elba and Denzel Washington and these niggas on TV and then be like, oh shit, Yo, I was I, I'm on TV. Yeah, okay. I was on there for 11 seconds, but damn, like I'm on the same platform. It feels good. Feels good. 
um, same, you know, with my sports heroes, being able to do what they do feels great. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not at that level yet, but um, we're going to keep on going, man. We'll see what's in store. Well, yeah, before I let you go, because we're going off for a little while, um, I want to ask you something I've been asking the other guests. Um, what's the most positive thing that's happened to you this year? Because I mean, it's kind of been a terrible year for a lot of reasons, oh. but what's a good thing that's happened to you? Well, what a question. What a beautiful question. I think the most positive thing that's happened to me this year is getting more in touch with my family, you know, on the real. Um, so I'm working with my family now with, for family business. And, you know, one thing about business is that the tension and the pressure that comes from there will expose your weaknesses, you know, like it goes how you go as an individual and as a team. Like if y'all aren't good, if y'all have dynamic issues, if y'all have, you know, things that are unsaid, like the fault lines or the cracks will open up. So the pandemic is really what brought me back to, uh, I was going to give my location. I don't know if I would give my location out here, but you already, you already know I'm, I'm in Ottawa. Um, but the pandemic that brought me back um, also gave me a big, big chance to look at, okay, yo, there's some things I don't like in this dynamic right now. And the way we interact, the way we talk to each other in the way like, um, you know, I don't feel as close as I wanna be. Um, I wanna be more authentic and intimate with, with y'all. That probably wouldn't have changed as drastically as it has unless the pandemic kind of brought me back and forced us uh, to be together. Even if the pandemic forced us to be together, without actually doing the work of those mm. like awkward conversations, you know, those like, you know, explicit conversations that you gotta have, like, you know, people are feeling certain things, but no one is talking about it. You gotta talk about it, man. You gotta talk about it. You gotta get so comfortable and so real with your family. Um, and like, that's, that's me talking to myself because I'm like right. on the family level, like your know, family is the thing that's, like most important to me. Uh, I know people say that and I was talking with my brother and I think like we're sort of on the same page. Shout out Jimmy, uh, he was on here earlier. Mm -hmm. But being accepted by family and being really, really comfortable and happy with family and being able to express your thoughts in a way that you know, oh, everyone's gonna be, everyone's gonna be good even if I disagree or you know, I express this, this thought or I, um, I'm doing something that they don't like. Like, they still, they're still good and they still accept me. You need that acceptance from your family before you go out into the world. Like, because it's kind of like, I don't know if I can cuss on here. It's kind of like, yo, fuck everybody else. Like, I have love for, I have love for everybody. But the truth is that if your family accepts you and you're, you're, you're steady good with your closest people your core of people and some randoms opinion of you doesn't move you doesn't shake you you know when you feel like oh there's a bit of uh i'm not so sure where i stand like you know will i be accepted like um you know e even though you know silly things so like you know my family's african of course nigerian you know there's certain things like oh yeah the way you grow your hair or like you know tattoos on your body and stuff these kind of things can be 
massive red flags for parents. They'll start thinking, oh, oh, oh my God, you're seeing, you see, we came to this country to try and give you a better life. And now you're trying to, oh my God. So, you know, some of those things, it's like, oh, it's a cultural difference. But if, you know, it's even silly gaps and um, um, looking for the right word, but if those things remain in there unsaid, you're losing intimacy. And I think that's what I want most from um, the people I love is to be able to be real with you um, and not give you my corporate side because the rest of the world, the rest of the world can get my corporate side most of the time, you know? So I'd love to be able to lay my guard down and be goofy and be real, be candid, um, very, very honest and open with, with people. So um, that's been the biggest blessing is the fact that I've seen it rapidly improve from back then to now, which means for everyone that I'm competing with in terms of business, it's a wrap. I'm sorry. My family behind me. Yes, sir. It's a wrap because we're going to keep on learning how to get better and we're committed to figuring things out. You know, we have, we have that good faith. You got to remind yourself like, yo, we're on the same side. <laughs> we're on the same side. Like disagreement about this or that, we're on the same side. So we ain't got to be opposed. Is there right? something you want to promote to kind of round this out? Um, yeah, so we got our sunshine snacks um that's a um, business that my mom started off it's such a hard worker she started off by herself it was uh like a hobby that she was making for friends and families so what we produce is um, a west african snack called chin chin um and various other snacks um like uh, meat pie but chin chin is you know really the main thing that we're pushing right now it's a golden brown um finger size you know little finger bites that you can just Keep I gotta on. look this up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bruv, I already got one in store for you. Don't worry, I'm gonna put you down on my list right now. Let's go. All right, let's so, go. That, that's what that's what I'm that's what I'm working on. Um, by the time you're dropping this episode, not too far uh, after that, we should be up with our socials and our website up to date. So, um, you know, if you search up Sunshine Snacks or Sunshine Chin Chin, um, or if you search up my IG. Um, Timbo underscore slice that's T-I-M-B-O-O underscore slice shameless plug you can give me a follow you'll see you'll see the stuff out there um, so yeah I'd love to to spread out to the to the world this summer is a great great time it, it represents everything I love man which is sunshine happiness <laughs> you know all those things that are far far away from um, a sort of like a uh dark gray winter vibe kind of thing like it's an explosion of of energy right. uh, so i hope you guys feel that too from um from coming on my page or checking out these snacks brother yes, thank Sometime. you so much for giving me the the platform man to put that out there i wanted to get you on here for a while but obviously you've been busy with you know the family business stuff going on. i'm business. happy to hear that you know the year which has been terrible for most people has kind of brought you back and um let you connect with your family and everyone else that's all important um and you know hopefully i can see you in the next little while in real life yeah we'll play some play some uh some footy yes sir anyway guys man i i appreciate i appreciate you um it's funny i'm looking in the background at uh, a picture of little bill's bald ass head and um he just looks like he's kind of telling me like yo fam come over to this side b 
just shave the head, B. Just let the hairline go. Join but the bald side. I'm going to leave it. When, when that happens, that happens. Yo, Boaz, thank you so much, bro. I, I appreciate you. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm looking forward to it. I've loved some of the episodes on here. Um, the one you did with, um, um, that's like, um, don't be a big friend. Man, that shit had me laughing. Um, shout out that dude, man. Shout uh, out to James. So shout out to James out there in the UK. You know, that shit was so funny. And and for him to be uh, so real and vulnerable, I'm like, yo, I'm all for that, especially as men right now. Uh, like, we, we hold um, certain things to, you know, I think, like, it's really easy to, like, try to be cool or try to, um, you know, meet people's expectations. Um, but, bro, you know, just accept yourself first. And that shit, people pick up. They do, and just kind of bring it full circle. Accept yourself first, but then part of that is your family accepting you, like you were talking about before. If they accept you, you don't have to go out there trying to look for anybody else. Anybody else's acceptance, I can't speak today. But yeah, like that's well said. Yeah, we'll end on that. Thank you for being on here, man. I always appreciate talking to you. Thank you, bro. Um, And yeah, thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, yeah.